Hello and welcome to another episode of Sensational She Geek live from Yancey Street. Today is Friday, October 1st, 2021, and this is episode 35B. On this episode for the first of the month, we are going to be discussing first off the news. There's a couple things of news, um, and of course the usual update of hashtag Poison Ivy Watch, and then the weekly comic book picks going over things that I felt were noteworthy out of this week's comic book pull list. Um, we have a number of things, not as many as usual, but um, I have a good deal to say about the ones that I do have on the list. And then, of course, we will discuss What If, Episode 8, which was titled What If Ultron 1, and Titans Season 3, Episode 10, which was titled Troubled Water. So that's what this episode is going to look like. If you would like to find me online, you can find me on Instagram. My username is Anna with the comics because that is my name and what I do. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Savage She Geek, and you can find my website www.sensationalshegeek.weebly.com for a number of things. You can find there um, old blog posts that were things that I used to write, which has been pretty much replaced with the podcast. So old pull lists, old pick lists, old reviews. Um, old commentaries on comics and things like that. Um, I also have favorite character reading orders, uh, my pod notes, which are all the notes that I take to keep myself on track for the podcast, which I do have accessible for anybody to check out there on my blog. Um, for anyone who is has um, hearing impaired or anything like that, who would also like to keep along or just rather read than listen to me talk, that is there for you as well. Um, you can also find links for everywhere that you can listen to this podcast, which is pretty much everywhere, including YouTube, uh, where I have all of the podcast episodes in a single playlist in order, and it's also where I post action figure review videos. Um, if you're into Marvel Legends or Black Series, I can't say I have too much of the uh, McFarlane stuff because they're not so great, um, and I got a couple of videos on SH Figure Arts, I've got the Lady Death um, from, uh, I believe it was Loose Collector there through Coffin Comics. And most recently I've put up a unboxing reveal video of the, let's see, Hasbro Marvel Legends HasLab Sentinel from the 2020 HasLab. So that has arrived as it has been arriving for people. Um, and I do have a short little video on there going over the full figure and everything that he comes with and everything that is featured on the toy. Feels kind of weird to call it a toy, but I guess it's still technically what it is. It's almost three feet tall, but it's a toy. Um, I also have, if you would like to support the podcast, I have a podcast Patreon, which is up under Sensational She Geek. Um, that is pretty much there as it, Patreon, if you're unfamiliar, is like a monthly subscription service. I don't really have too much by way of rewards for patrons right now, but it is something that I would like to do once I get enough patrons on there for it to kind of be worth the time. I will be doing special edition episodes like I did the Inferno prep episode, um, but I when, once I have those set up for Patreon, they will premiere first on Patreon, um, and I'm also trying to get together some patron reward stickers as a thank you for anyone who signs up on the Patreon. You can find me there on Patreon under Sensational She Geek, and you can find me on Ko-fi under she geek which is just a one-time however much you feel like putting in donation thing the whole idea behind it being um help this creator who you support go out and get a cup of coffee so that they can keep doing the work that they do 
this podcast is free and will always be free. So those are just some ways to support it financially if you would like to do so or donate. Other than that, the best way to support the podcast would be to share it with people who you think will also enjoy it, share it on your social media profiles, whatever it is that you have that you are able to share things on, interact with the podcast wherever you listen to it. Um, that is, those are the best ways to support it so that it gets a broader audience and we can keep this group growing. On a more personal note, I've had a little bit of a downer of a day after a very long couple of weeks. Um, so we're just, we're, if this is a little bit shorter than usual, that's fine. We're going to uh, try and cover things as best as we can, regardless of the mood, um, and just have a good time with it. And then uh, we'll be back again for the regular Monday episode on Monday the 4th. Going ahead and getting started with the news for the week, we have a couple of things here. First up is spoilers for Venom, Let There Be Carnage. I'm not sure if it's possible to be on the internet right now and not have run across this spoiler. So if you haven't seen the movie and you haven't felt like you've seen any spoilers for the movie and you would like to at this day the case, uh, maybe tune out for the next couple of minutes while I discuss severe spoilers for... a. Well, we'll just say Venom, let there be cottage. So let me give it a second here so you can all mute me. Because um, this is going to be super, super spoilers. So uh, leaked, I believe, yesterday or Wednesday, actually, I believe it was. Um, there was a, I want to say, Russian version. Somebody recorded the end credits scene of Venom, let there be carnage. Um, so you don't really get the the audio of what's happening because it's not in English. If you speak whatever language that was, awesome. At least it's the version of the recording that I saw was not in English. This was actually a rumor, interestingly enough, that this was going to be the end credit scene of Venom 2. And for whatever reason, that has turned out to be true. So... Basically, uh, what happens in the end credit scene is you get Eddie Brock there in his hotel room at the end of the movie. Uh, everything starts rumbling and everything, it just kind of switches slightly into a nicer room. And you see on the TV, J. Jonah Jameson talking about Spider-Man, who is, of course, the Tom Holland Spider-Man. So the reveal here being Eddie Brock, Tom Hardy Venom... Uh, has been brought in to the main MCU. I have to admit, I did not hear those rumors some time ago, so this was pretty surprising to me. My current feelings on it, just as an overall how I feel about this, is fairly neutral uh, for a number of reasons. Um, first of all, the Sony Marvel Disney deal that we know about was was one that extended Tom Holland's it extended Disney's lease on Tom Holland, basically, for Spider-Man to one movie. So basically, Sony said, okay, Disney, we'll give you one more movie, and that's it. You just get him for one more movie, and then he's ours again. So that is going to be, of course, No Way Home. But with them bringing Venom in in this way and immediately announcing Spider-Man and whatnot, that really makes, for me, it makes it seem like there's going to be more Holland in the MCU as Spider-Man. Um, still, it's possible that... <laughs> I'm not sure why they would do this, but it's, it's, we've, we've had that question before with Sony. Um, it is possible that they would go ahead and try to run their own MCU Spider-Verse without actually acknowledging the rest of the MCU. 
um, there's just a lot of rights issues that are that bring up a lot of questions for what is what is it that their long-term plan is here? Do they have a long-term plan? Um, if you have a bit more knowledge about the Sony, Marvel, Disney rights deals with Spider-Man, and I'm getting something wrong here, please, I would love to know, because the best of my knowledge is they had that deal that brought Holland into Civil War, and then it kind of, the deal stopped, and everybody was really upset, and Tom Holland kind of basically confirmed that he wasn't going to be Spider-Man anymore. And then they did that last minute deal saying, okay, so I guess we, you, you guys can use him for one more Spider-Man movie and then we'll see how we feel about you after that. So that's, as I said, that's going to be No Way Home. Um, and we're not really sure what this means either for Morbius and Craven. Um, there's been, <laughs> it kind of just remains to be seen. We'll, we'll just kind of have to wait this one out and see what continues to develop um, because there were some thoughts that the there were some well there were some reasons I should say that people thought the Morbius movie took place in the main MCU, and there were other reasons that people were convinced that it took place in the Amazing Spider-Man universe, as in to uh, not Tobey Maguire, um, the other one who was not Tobey Maguire, <laughs> blanking, but you know who I'm talking about. Um, as for the Craven movie, that's really far too soon. I guess that was only just announced a few months ago. Um, I don't know. It, we'll just have to wait and see for, for those two how how and if they will be tied in to the MCU and to the Tom Holland Spider-Man stuff. Um, personally, myself, I have no desire to see Let There Be Carnage in theaters. This may rub some people the wrong way, but I, oh, I cannot get on board with comic relief Venom. Not at all. I, I don't I don't like it. I know there are some people, well, there are a lot of people who seem to be absolutely loving that, but it feels, to be completely honest, nothing but juvenile to me. So, um, for if you have the question of how did this happen, um, the main idea of it seems to be, as revealed in the No Way Home trailer, Peter Parker and Doctor Strange are doing some multiversal spell that is going to screw stuff up and have some um, some really intense consequences. That's the reigning theory. Even a couple of months out still from No Way Home. Is it possible we'll see Venom in No Way Home? I don't know. I'm not sure I care, to be honest. Um, I am one who is kind of... Yeah. I don't know if I like the whole bringing in the other Spider-Man universes. Certainly there is a way that they can make it work. That I will enjoy it and I will regret ever having doubted it. There is that. It's out there. I don't know what it is, but there is a way for that to happen. Do I think that they are going to hit that on the head and make me leave a theater going, wow, this was amazing? Absolutely not. <laughs> in no way, shape, or form. Um, this kind of just feels like them bringing all of the other Spider-Man stuff in. And honestly, low-key, even having Venom join the MCU in whatever way it is that just happened with the, his movie there, um, it feels a bit like um, the whole Snyder Cut thing. How there's a reason that we don't negotiate with terrorists, generally. <laughs> and that is because that becomes a pattern that they know they can take advantage of. 
this feels a lot like that. How I felt that way with the Snyder Cut bullshit. Um, I feel that way with this, honestly, too. This is, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see how it kind of, how it kind of works. If it's also possible that, um, it wasn't Doctor Strange from No Way at Home that brought them into the universe like that. It's, it's possible that that was Wanda or something else that we just haven't seen yet. Um, but it seems that it being whatever it is that Tom Holland is up to in, no Way Home is what affects Eddie Brock and his Venom symbiote in the end of this uh, movie. But, um, hmm. Another thing that was pointed out, actually, about that uh, clip of the end credits clip was the Tom Holland Spider-Man that we see on screen is not one that we have seen be filmed on TV in the MCU. The last time that we saw Tom Holland Spider-Man in the MCU, he was masked and being outed with a school photo compared to a masked Spider-Man photo. So that's how J. Jonah Jameson was outing him on the news. Now, I don't know what was happening on the TV because like I said, that clip I saw was in Russian or something. Um, so if you know, let me know. But... J. Jonah Jameson on the TV that Eddie Brock sees is showing a photo of Tom Holland's Spider-Man unmasked um, in a scene that we have yet to witness, it seems. Um, so wherever they got that photo, it just kind of drives the further the theory that this is happening actually after or partway through No Way Home. Doesn't really make sense to put it out two months in advance, but that seems to be the way things are going, um, and those are the reasons why people think that. Also in the news today, and I have been asked a couple of times why I have not addressed this situation. The situation being Scarlett Johansson suing Disney over feeling as if she was screwed over for the Black Widow premiere. Um, I believe it was specifically worded something like they were trying to sabotage her check by putting it on Disney+. Plus. Um, and there's, there's, there's the main reason that I have not addressed this um, is because I am a person who falls directly between... Um, and excuse my cussing here. I can't do this without cussing. Um, fuck the rich and fuck corporations. <laughs> um, I should fuck more money hoarding and fuck corporations. That's more accurate there. Um, and so what, what ended up happening with this deal, I guess, was, uh, today it was announced that they had a $40 million settlement. $40 million, I highly doubt. Uh, anybody needs additional in their life uh, that could be put to so much better use elsewhere. Uh, and it's especially odd that they're all coming out and being all buddy-buddy since they basically started throwing poop at each other in the news when this first came out. Like, they came out and called her selfish and whatever, and she came out and said that they were trying to screw her over personally and was like, this is also personal, and it, they, this me, 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 and you guys are both just, like, you're, you're ridiculous. Um, you guys really, you need 40 million extra dollars. <laughs> I, I get there's like work and I just, just eat the rich, eat the rich and fuck corporations. That's, I, that's why I haven't addressed it because I just get so caught up in that. I, no one is good in that scenario. They're all terrible, awful things. And that's why I haven't discussed it yet, but that's, since it's now come to a conclusion, we can briefly talk about it. And there it was. 
Now, this isn't particularly news because it was announced in 2019, but I am only just now relearning that this is a thing, uh, that there is going to be a new Battlestar Galactica show. It is going to be run by the Mr. Robot mastermind, Sam Esmail, who has said that, let's see, uh, he wants to make sure that it's all kosher with Ronald D. Moore, who was the man behind the 2005 to, two, I think it was 2004 or 2009, actually, sci-fi show. Um, he says that he would like to have him on boards to make sure that's all kosher with him, not sip on his toes, by um, actually rebooting any of the aspects aspect of the world he created so it's not going to be a direct link to the 2004 show from what I have really kind of figured out. It has been going through a couple of struggles with behind the scenes getting people on board to stay on board creator wise um, but as far as we can tell this is not something that has been cancelled or really changed in any way. It is still coming. They're going to take their time with it. They're still working on the pilot as of March um, and they are plugging away. So if you were not aware of the upcoming Battlestar Galactica reboot of sorts, now you are. Finally in the news, as I mentioned earlier, is our hashtag Poison Ivy Watch, which we have one update for this week. Um, and that is that in Harley Quinn number seven, the gardener catches up with Harley, reporting that she has discovered Ivy's location. Remember their goal here being to connect the two parts of Ivy uh, to make her whole again and to get her to do whatever it is that they want her to do at this point. Um, the next segment of Poison Ivy Watch is going to happen next Friday after this week's Batman issue premieres, this coming week's Batman issue premieres, which will no doubt have some part of Ivy mentioned in it. For the comic book picks this week, uh, I'm going to run over quickly with the things that we're going to be discussing. Inferno number one, of course, Harley Quinn number seven, Batman Reptilian number four, very briefly, Black Cat number 10, and then uh, again, briefly, 10 years to death, and then Thor number 17. So starting off with Inferno, because that is what I have the most to say about um Check out my podcast special. If you haven't read Inferno, if you've read it and you're at all confused, check out my podcast special. Uh, it's a DNC Street Presents Inferno Prep, and it goes over everything that you'll need to know for Jonathan Hickman's X-Men, uh, what he's setting up for Inferno, the 80s event of Inferno, and the references that this event makes to it. Um, although I do have to say, and I apologize for this, I did miss two points. There were two really important points that I did not mention. Um, one... Just a just a brief set of facts. Destiny and Mystique are wives. I don't think I actually ever said that in the podcast when I covered Destiny and Mystique's part of Inferno. Um, but Destiny is Irene Adler. Uh, she is Mystique's wife. Raven's wife. Um, and for some reason, and I've never figured this one out, she is canonically an old white-haired woman who runs around in a basically one piece swimsuit with a cape. So, so I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't never really understood how that worked out. Um, and how she and Mystique are wives and she's been old for forever and Mystique was old at one point and now she's young. Like, I don't know. I don't know. But it's, that's how it is. She, she is 
potentially not an old woman anymore, but she is Irene Adler and she is Mystique's wife. The other point that I did not cover at all, much more importantly, I would say, um, the whole deal with Orcus, um, that was kind of where this issue kicked off was with, um, some discussion on the whole Orcus side of things. It's pretty complicated, but in short, the company or the group Orcus wants the complete eradication of all mutants because they believe the X-Gene is basically a virus out to destroy humanity. Uh, they are the creators of classic X-Men villain Nimrod. Don't get me started on why he's named that. And they have serious, serious personal beef with the X-Men, which I won't really get into right now, but it's really intense. In House of X, Powers of X, we saw them, them being um, the mutants sending X-Men members to take out Orcus with varying levels of luck. They have yet to be able to do it completely. And what Orcus has figured out based off of this, because they kill every mutant that shows up and they just keep coming back, is that the mutants have the ability to revive their own kind. Additionally, they figured out that, and as we see in this issue, um, they remember so what does that mean? Um, the ones, the mutants who are revived, who are brought back to life, are not fresh restarts. Uh, they are the actual consciousnesses of the last version of that mutant, just in a new body. So what this means, and what Orcus now knows, is that the mutants have a single storage place for containing all of these consciousness backups. Therefore, it can be destroyed. So that's what that whole Orcus thing was at the beginning of the issue. Other things that happen, we have a few council shakeups that are super exciting. While we do still have two seats on the table that are, yeah, two seats on the table that haven't been filled, we now have um, some shaking up of the commanders and the captains, uh, who are the war, basically the war generals of Krokoa. So Cyclops stands down as the captain commander, and he is replaced by Bishop, who is also the red bishop <laughs> uh, under Kate the Red Queen. But I think that role has kind of taken a, taken a back plate since the Marauders book has passed the Hellfire Gala. And we also have um, Psylocke, aka Quanin, joining the ranks of the captains uh, in place of Gorgon, who properly died in X of Swords, which was quite sad, but he was quite impressive. Uh, so Psylocke is taking his place to be a captain alongside Magic, um, which is a team up I never knew I wanted so bad. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, we have some other things happening. Horticulture, who was the octogenarian environmental terrorists, basically, against the mutants. They are, looks like, teaming up with other X-Men villains, and that is not going to be a good thing for the future of Krakoa. Doug and Bay are still in their wedded bliss, which we got to see in a brief little clip. A clip, a, a brief little couple of panels. Um, and then there's also the complete repeat with a few additional panels towards the end of that scene in House of X number two, where Moira McTaggart first meets Destiny, who burns her for her efforts to, write, to wipe out mutants. Um, this was kind of cool to see because they could have easily just reprinted those panels from that issue, but the artist here, Valerio Shitty, actually takes the time to redo each one of these panels himself, which I have to give excellent kudos for. I also have to stop here and mention that 
uh, when Empire happened last year, I was up in a huff about Valerio Shitty and the way he drew some certain characters. And I have to say, based on what I'm seeing in this issue, a year can do a lot for a person's art skill. And this is unrecognizably his compared to that Empire stuff. So good job. Excellent work. Um, then the, uh, the, the culmination of the issue is the best part, of course. Um, so after catching up with Moira, um, once again, it is decided amongst her, Charles, and Magneto that the best thing to do here is to destroy all DNA evidence of destiny in case Mystique ever tries to bring her back herself. Uh, they also decide that Mystique has to be taken off the Quiet Council in order to have no power to use against them. So when they kick off a next Quiet Council meeting, going over the various changes and whatnot that have been happening, Magneto tries to take one for the team and, like, kick off a trend of people and their idea being hopefully Mystique too, stepping down from their Quiet Council roles. But Mystique has other plans and she brings in none other than Destiny to suggest her as a new council member. Turns out Destiny has already been revived and enters the chamber in triumph to join her wife's side. As she steps into the room, we get a the repeat through the narration of the warning that she gave her wife. Uh, about if they don't bring me back, burn it to the ground. As for how all this happened, the top theories are pretty obvious. Uh, Mystique replaced one of the people who turned over Destiny's DNA to Charles and Magneto, giving a false sample instead. Otherwise, she, Mystique, probably got sent to Sinister before the boys did and took the real sample because there's, as it's been pointed out across the internet, Sinister had a very knowing smile throughout this issue that is impossible to ignore. The other theory that's possible is that they used Cerebro before she was deleted off of Cerebro, um, and possibly Mystique went to the five personally, like the, the New Mutants did with Gabby, and had them bring her back themselves. Uh, they, they really had no reason not to if that was a request made of them uh, because that rule about no precogs is not public, not even to the five. Um, and they are already super frustrated with Charles and Magneto trying to tie their hands in their efforts of getting this whole rebirth thing available for everybody. So that was Inferno number one. I am so thrilled with it. As somebody online said, Jonathan, it's been three and a half months, but I didn't realize how much I missed reading your comics. So thank you, Jonathan Hickman, for being a lad, <laughs> for being fantastic. Uh, and let's get this, let's, let's keep that ball rolling, huh? Harley Quinn number seven, I did already mention in the Poison Ivy uh, watch. Uh, but just uh, one thing I wanted to add to that is that Riley Rosmo is back on art and I cannot get over how much I enjoy um, how his inventive and dynamic his layouts for this series are. Stephanie Phillips has a great voice for Harley and a great way of pacing all the events in the comic and Rosmo's art gets it beat for beat. It's really, really fantastic. I love Laura Braga, completely love her art, um, but I felt like the issue that had her guest artist for this Harley Quinn book um, it just didn't quite have the spice that Rosmos does. So um, we'll be hopefully seeing him on the series from here on out again. Batman Reptilian number four. In this issue, we find out the truth of the creature. And oh boy, it is 
it's a bit to process. So uh, basically, Batman finds Killer Croc, who is, of course, Waylon Jones in a sewer. He is sickly with some kind of growth rotting off of him. Uh, Batman cuts it off and theorizes that is where Croc recently gave birth from. <laughs> so, um, uh, Croc... Batman has a new theory about this. So, uh, Killer Croc, he thinks, is a victim of environmental toxins that went through East Tampa, Florida in the 70s, where most babies that were born with birth defects in that area and that time died, but they all had some kind of scales to them. So he thinks Croc must be from there, some kind of survivor who is still, this is the poor part, still mutating. Um... He started, Croc started giving off some form of reptilian estrogen, specifically back when he was at that meeting of villains that caused them to all basically go berserk on one another. He left the, the meeting in a state of unawareness, driven purely by instinct, and doesn't remember anything after that. He found this cave that he's in now, in the sewer, whatever it is, gave birth, and the baby went off in search of a mother, because when it was born, all it saw there was Waylon, who is not a mother. So Batman... Uh, theorizes based on this that Waylon's mutation is still in progress. Um, and then he says now the baby has searched out all traces of the estrogen smell from the people on that meeting looking for its mother and has yet to find its mother. It's going to return here. And we do get to see that the creature shows up and Batman says to Croc, this is where you say hello to Junior. <laughs> you just, he's, he's a sarcastic asshole in this and I love it. Um, the creature itself is pretty horrific. <laughs> it's got a, um, a skeletal nose jutting out, lower jaws, four eyes, clawed hands, and for some reason a spider body at the bottom half. So spider legs. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> it approaches Croc and opens its mouth and rubs its tongue all over him and he's like freaking out of course and then it, it screeches mama <laughs> which is hilarious and and croc is like completely in shock and batman just looks at him and goes what don't look at me <laughs> you're a good help batman good good job with that <laughs> emotional support here for here for Waylon. <laughs> So basically, um, it seems that Waylon gave birth to a crocodile monster and is continuing to mutate into a mother or will more than likely get killed by this creature when he can't give it what it wants. So I, I did not see any of this coming. I mean, I figured if it was the child of Killer Croc, he was the father, not the father and the mother. This is some funky shit and I love it. Uh, very briefly, Black Cat and 10 Years to Death. Black Cat, uh, number 10, this was the last regularly scheduled issue, and to be honest, it was super meh. Infinity Score has been a total snooze fest in my point of view. And 10 Years to Death was pretty good. It was odd. Um, I feel like there is some errors in the style. I don't know, style? Can you even say that? Errors in someone's style? I don't know. Uh, the story of it, very briefly, was a man telling... It was like a third-person response retelling of a story. Somebody told somebody who told somebody else. It was like a little too many 
stops in that chain. Uh, but it was a man telling his nephew a story from being a worker as a prison guard. One of the guards, I guess, creeps out all the prisoners. And then one night they find one of the prisoners is dead and the guard has disappeared. Um, and the dude was killed in the same way as the man that he was convicted of killing, but it got off from killing. Um, and then it turns out the guard was a spooky ghost of. So for some reason it took him 10 years like 10 years later he comes and kills the guy i don't i don't know it was it was interesting and spooky but um i had issues it had flaws but it was fun i liked it enough <laughs> this is probably going to be a slightly briefer covering of what if this week and that is what if episode 8 titled what if ultron won very easy to understand that the things you need to have watched are uh, Avengers and Age of Ultron at the very least. Basically the plot for this, um, it's Ultron wins, sure, but it becomes, that's that's only the first 10 minutes or so of a half hour, I think, episode. So there's a lot that, there's a lot more to it than just Ultron wins. Um, he becomes basically aware of the entire multiverse and wants to, or in his mind has to, cleanse every universe in the way that he just did this one. Uh, he actually even discovers Uwatu. He feels him watching him and turns and sees him and, and f discovers him. And Ultron manages to even break through the boundaries of his own universe minutes later and comes face to face with the Watcher in his own interdimensional realm. They fight. Uwatu actually loses being sent through all kinds of dimensions completely lost. He winds up finding the lost world of the fourth episode, which was the Doctor Strange goes evil and winds up the last thing in his whole universe episode. So Uwatu winds up finding refuge there and actually asks that version of Strange for help, the kind of evil Strange. Um, and that's how the episode ends. So I think what we can easily say here is we have made the connection as to how things are going to um, be connected. <laughs> uh, this episode showed us that Uwatu is probably going to be jumping from multiverse and pulling people through to help him destroy the main villain of the season, which is, of course, Vision Ultron with all the Infinity Stones. Um, so that is pretty, that, that, that's pretty, that's pretty nuts. Uh, you also have to note that in the mid-season trailer, there is a clip of this evil or once evil Supreme Strange, you know, Doctor Strange Supreme teaming up with Party Thor from the last episode. So it looks like he might actually get a proper, uh, a chance to get properly redeemed from literally destroying his whole universe. Um... As far as we know, these are the characters who will also be returning before the end of the season. We have Party Thor, which is, of course, from the last episode. We have uh, Natasha Romanoff, who survived this episode after watching Clint get destroyed, which was satisfying. And then we have uh, T'Challa, who is, of course, Star-Lord of his universe from episode two, and Captain Carter from episode one who was Haley Atwell. Um, so we know that these characters are going to end up getting together somehow by way of Uwatu and Strange, um, and they are going to team up to supposedly fight this Vision Ultron. Do I think there is a way that they could beat this Vision Ultron? I mean, no. <laughs> Probably not. 
the whole idea of Vision Ultron with the Infinity Gems is is pretty horrifying. You know, that's we've seen just in the the one episode now what he can do, and that's a lot. That's everything, pretty much. Um, stronger than Uatu, stronger than cosmic beings. So while we do have a pretty pumped up Strange, now just thinking about it now, my prediction is going to be that. Uh, Supreme Strange is gonna die. He's gonna have to sacrifice himself. Um, and I also wonder if we're still gonna be running into who was it? It was Ant Man's head, T'Challa, and Spider Man. Is that who it was um, in the zombies episode? Who survived? And then they went and they zombie Thanos is there. Are we gonna? Do you think we're gonna touch back on them, or are they just gonna kind of go off and end up being their own universe that just screws itself over constantly? Who knows? Uh, let me know what your theories are because this is pretty fun. We're not really touching on too much stuff from the comics at this point. We're pretty, we're pretty heavily leaning on just the MCU. Um, so there's not too much for the comics to be pointed out for this episode, except that, of course, you know the various ages of Ultron in the comics were a thing. You know, it's what it's all based off in the movies, of course. Um, so nothing really new from the comics, but this was a really fun episode. Um, it was really cool to see how lethal, um, understandably lethal Vision Ultron was. So um, looking forward to how they might end up actually beating him, but probably not because I just don't see that. Ha of course, they're going to beat him. They're not going to leave it on a losing win. <laughs> losing. They're not going to let him lose. That's it. I just that they'll win. It's fine. Everything's fine. And the last thing that we're going to cover on this somewhat shorter episode today, because I am just, it's, it's been a, it's been a week. Um, <laughs> Titans season three, episode 10, which did premiere yesterday on, on HBO max titled troubled water. Um, because of course there is the, as we ended up in the last episode, finding out the water of Gotham has been tainted by the scarecrows drugs and people are losing their minds. So where we find ourselves in this episode, understandably, shit is hitting the fan in Gotham. Basically, the scarecrow. This is the one part I could not take seriously in this whole this whole season so far. Really, uh, is the scarecrow putting out a hit video that goes viral, framing Nightwing and the other Titans for poisoning Gotham's water with drugs to make people go rabbit on each other. The videos, the whole scene of the video playing and the whole video itself is just so cheesy and terrible. Um, it feels like some CW crap. <laughs> um, it's, it's like the, the video that he makes himself is like some, some awful fan video type shit. It's super lame, but I guess it works because he ends up putting a bounty on Dick's head and people like, wanna kill him? You're Nightwing. I fucking hate you. You poison the city. It's dumb comic stuff, I guess, is what that all, all winds up being. Um, so the Titans wind up, after all of this madness, uh, turning themselves into Gotham PD, which goes, frankly, disastrously when the police start fighting them, and Barbara Gordon, Commissioner Gordon, Babs, ends up shooting, and I think killing an officer who pulled a gun on Nightwing, so that's, it was a big moment. Um, her assistant, ends up having to read her her rights and arrest her at the end of the episode. I want to see her as Batgirl so bad. We have already shown that she can fight with one leg. I don't know if she's paralyzed, but she can fight with one leg. I want to see her as Batgirl. 
free yourself, Babs. Be a self-rescuing princess. You can do it. She, I, I just literally love how they've done her. And the fact that they're kind of having this fall from grace for her makes me think that they have something better for her on the other side. Because they've done her so well so far, why I'm not, I'm not assuming they're just going to fuck her up on purpose next. Um, so also during that whole fight with the Gotham PD, Commander got shot in that incident uh, when Connor low-key failed to protect her the way that he promised because he was too busy letting his anger get the best of him. Uh, but Corey's able to save her. She takes her sister to an abandoned church to heal her, which is where Blackfire winds up consuming her sister's powers and becoming the one of the two who has powers. Of course, Starfire immediately assumes that this was her sister's plan from the start, which I don't know, maybe it was, but Blackfire still defends herself saying that um, they should fix this as soon as they can and she doesn't want this. One thing I have to note, I have mentioned the eye colors um, before talking about Titans, how Coriander has green eyes and Commander has very dark eyes. Um, The whole purpling purple versus green thing orange versus purple and black i guess um bright and dark that's that's all just a trope but i was worried they were gonna keep her eyes just dark brown when her sister gets the lighter eyes because there's that whole you know toxic trope of giving black women light colored light skin features in order like like blue eyes and white hair and stuff like that in order to make them more appealing while you give the villainous version of the black character all of the the you know cliche tropes of the kinky hair and the and the the dark eyes and whatever else it's it's like a thing that they do in hollywood it's a pattern and i was worried that they were going to kind of do that here um and just leave commander with her brown eyes and just be like oh she's darker because she's evil uh but that doesn't seem to be what's happening because as soon as she sucks up coriander this sounds bizarre but as soon as she takes up coriander's powers commander's eyes start glowing purple i have been waiting for this moment since we first found out she was going to be in this show commander with her purple eyes we got it i'm in so in love (laughs) <laughs> I also have to remember the scene about her and Connor who were were having sex where the floor below the bed was rippling with some kind of purple magic looking smoke no doubt from Blackfire herself um so there's clearly some about her powers and her abilities that she doesn't even know or is unaware of or is unwilling to face um and now the question is is she really going to give her sister the powers back or is she going to become villainized somehow in the process of keeping them there's it's a very complicated situation because of their complex history and because of how the relationships between blackfire and starfire and the other titans have developed especially recently um there's a lot of room for miscommunication and misinterpretation and um, feelings to get hurt, frankly. So we'll just have to wait and see how the sisters handle this. But I'm so digging it! Um, other things that happen in the episode. Gar, um, you know, Beast Boy, he finds some spooky Wayne journal that talks about Lazarus pits, I guess. And I'm not really sure. I, I guess he, like, sees bats or something. I guess they weren't real, but they were there. I'm not really sure the significance of any of that or what it meant, but I'm sure it'll have to do with Bruce eventually returning and 
or Dick becoming Batman. Speaking of Dick, there are no answers about his visions that he's been having yet. I still think that they are his memories of his initial time as Robin that are coming up now to urge him to take up the mantle of Batman again, or for the first time, I guess. Um, the end of the episode has Jason and Scarecrow in the Wayne Manor, kind of making it their own place. There's this superbly dumb... It's not a dumb scene. It just drives home how dumb Jason is, where he completely get the scarecrow just like pushes the hell out of his buttons, knows exactly what to say to set him off. He just he just eats it up. He eats up the scarecrow's bullshit so well. He's so stupid. Um, <laughs> although there is one funny line from that scene, which is where scarecrow looks around the room and goes, "Interior designers the world over!" exclaimed. Meh. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny because it was just like, you know, classic overdone rich person house. I don't know. I also am beginning to think after last the last episode and how he hasn't at all been in this episode that maybe Bruce is going to sweep in and save the day here because... Clearly the Titans do not have a handle on this and he's going through his own shit, so maybe he just needs to be brought back to get his head on straight or something. I don't know. Um, we also had no updates on Tim in this episode, but Donna did have to prove herself to, was it Eliza or someone? The, um, one of the Amazon leader people who was on Themyscira with her, or Paradise Island is what they were calling it. Um, and she basically just wants, the leader lady just wants to test her and make sure she's truly herself and, you know, blah, 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 which they do and they fight and it kind of seemed like a little bit of an unnecessary scene um, that could have been covered probably in a quick sentence of conversation, but they gotta get Donna back in there. So that's, I guess, the best that they had for this episode. And finally, at the end of the episode, uh, Raven and Gar are reunited after Gar escapes the fight at the GCPD. Um, and she looks great as she did in the, the previous episode and he is happy to see her and not at all bashful that I'm pretty sure he's, he's naked, but I guess, um, they are, you know, meant to be together. So he feels fine about that. Um, I really, really enjoyed this episode. I still have to admit that Commander and Coriander are the main two reasons for me for watch this season. Uh, I really love again, how they have been handling Barbara Gordon, um, but I'm a little concerned based on the way they've been doing it, that it should continue to be what good. Um, but who knows? It could fall apart in the third act and just be absolute garbage the way that they have Barbara end up. Um, who knows? I'm really excited to find out what the deal with, uh, Blackfire is because there's, clearly a lot going on with her that she may not even be aware of and certainly her sister is not aware of so looking forward to following her on that journey of self-discovery that wraps up this very short episode of sensational she geek live from yancey street thank you for listening of course as usual to whatever amount you were able to listen to i will be back on monday the 4th of october talking comic book pull list for the coming week uh, Doom Patrol episode four, which I actually have already watched, but just wanted to say it for a Monday episode. So I have a little bit more something to add to that and whatever else may pop up in the news between now and then. Hope you have an excellent weekend in the meantime. 
Um, as far as I can tell, things for the podcast are going to be scheduled as usual for the foreseeable future, but if there are any updates, it will be on my Twitter page, which is, as I mentioned at the beginning, Savage She Geek. So have an excellent week, be nice to the people around you, um, and always get sweaty about comics. <laughs>